Hawks Hawks. Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. We'll be here every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. 710 ESPN. We're missing one of our comrades, Michael Bumpus. What did he big time us? He's a TV guy, man. What did he do? Is he doing high school football on uh, Root Root, Root Sports? I, you yeah. know what? And I'm I'm happy for him, but you know you you don't show up on our show anymore on pregame because you do TV. Yeah, but you know what? We have Richard and Sherry here. They're uh, all the like return to Seattle after having been in what Rhode Island, something like that. I was going to say Connecticut. Ian and Sarah are here. Uh, we had Brian Shoning, who are our board ops uh, parents here. We Emmy got and all Mark, of our, our good friends at Snoqualmie Casino we here, do. and yep. yeah, good spot. Uh, one guy that may not be our good friend. If we were to talk to him, I don't. I'll just admit, I don't like Baker Mayfield. You don't like what about I Baker don't, Mayfield? Here's what I don't like: is that. I'm still a little bit old-fashioned that rookies are meant to be seen and not heard, Paul. You are old-fashioned. I am. I'm an old-school guy. But last year, I just thought, you know what, Russell Wilson, the way he handled that was was perfect. And, you know, there's look, every quarterback's going to get criticized one way or another. But with Baker Mayfield, I just thought him going after Hugh Jackson yeah. the way that he did – Hugh Jackson was coaching when we played in the league, Paul. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just didn't think. I, I just thought he should be quiet early on. It's always better, you know, rather than brag, it's better for somebody to talk about you. It's kind of that same principle. But, you know, last year he actually, actually wasn't bad. You know, he had uh, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, oh, threw for a lot of yards, was, yeah. you know, what, 64% completion. But this year, man, it's been tough for him. Um, you know, and I, I don't know at what point, I don't know if it's coaching or if it's uh, just the offense that they're running, but, man, he's 55% passing. He's thrown eight interceptions so far. Yeah, his quarterback rating 68.5, which... It's pretty much the lowest 40, in the league. 40 years ago, you'd get fired for that quarterback rating. In today's world, if you're not in, your ni- if you're not in the 90s, you're a bad quarterback. There's 14, 13, 14 quarterbacks with a rating of over 100. Now, that's the new norm. Right. You know, look, they also drafted him because of that brashness. You know, they, they, they said he had that leadership it factor, which I believe he does. And... Oklahoma is now uh, two Heisman Trophy winners, potentially three in a row. Heisman Trophy winners are not, that is not indicative of success in the NFL. No. And you can be the greatest leader in the world, the best guy. Guys will run through the wall for you, but you've got to perform. And he's not performing right now. And he's got so many bad habits, and part of it's being gun-shy, and part of it would be a coach, you know, putting him in positions to be more successful. I think he has a chance to be an okay quarterback. He's never going to be a Drew Brees guy. He doesn't have the arm. He does. He's a five-flat 40 guy. He doesn't escape well. He's not accurate. He needs a fantastic team around him to be really successful. And they don't have a great offensive line right now. And for whatever reason, they're not duplicating what they did last year. I just think it's going to be a long season for him. With that being said, Dave, this is a dangerous game. This yeah, game makes I me agree. nervous. It's at Cleveland. It'll be a tough place to play. They have talent all over the board. They will not play as bad as they played last week against the C- or against the 49ers. In Seattle, and I believe we will, we're going to have to play a great game to win. 
Yeah. Well, and they're they're on a short week. Seahawks on a long week. Yeah. But sometimes when your back's up against the wall, and you're right about not playing two two bad games in a row, but. You know, it, it kind of brought me back today. We talked to Trey Flowers. He he came on our show, and uh, he he was he had his iPad there, and he was pulling up all the things. You wouldn't believe this, but well, maybe you would. But as far as watching film in our day, with what these guys now they can pull up. You know, any you know third and eleven inside the twenty yard line, anything, and this myriad of plays just you know show up on, and he could look at all these different things. And he was talking about. Uh, you know, all the different stuff that, that Baker Mayfield. So, and, and the thing it brought me back to is, you know, when you're watching film, when you're a player, you're not looking at games. You're not yeah. necessarily watching the broadcast. You're, you're looking at individual plays, yeah. you know. And so I think what the Seahawks are seeing is what you and I are seeing. They have some really good players that are capable of making great plays. And anybody that doesn't understand that is foolish. I mean, every player in the league has ability to make big plays, especially this team with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, you know, this Nick Chubb kid who has the same number of carries as Chris Carson, but 105 yards and three touchdowns more. He's averaging 5.2 yards a carry day. Yeah. So it's, just tons of talent on it's, this team. It's, an, it's, a, it's a, that game. Look, I think if we got on them early, I, th- I, I could see Cleveland – starting to point fingers and questioning things along the way and i hope that's what what happens but i also know i've been in games both player and coach and i'll use the coaching side of it where we just didn't play well and you get together as a staff and you go what is it are we trying to do too much are we trying to scheme too much do we have a system in play and that's what i i think right now they're missing i don't see the system i, I you go and watch the 49er game they got a system and we're gonna have to deal with that yeah. And, and, and you can take a system away and force them to do things. We'll see how a coach responds. They, I don't know what their identity is. They just, they're like they're making stuff up as it goes, and they get frustrated if the ball's not thrown to them. And I don't want to say they quit. I don't think anybody quits in the NFL. But you don't see their best effort when they get down and they get frustrated. And it's why they've had two games. They got blown out 43-13 to to Tennessee at home, 31-3 yeah. at San Francisco, you know, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to come down to the final four or five minutes again in the fourth quarter, like just about every Seahawks game always comes down to. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right because you, you look at the two wins that they have. Baltimore was playing well at that yeah. point when they beat them 40-25 to 25 yeah, on the 40, road. They have not won at home. and But one of those games was the Rams, and they had a chance. They were down on the four-yard line. And it was a fourth and goal and did not convert. I think there was an interception. Johnny Johnson picked off Baker Mayfield, one of his eight interceptions this year. So, yeah, they have, they're not as bad as their record looks. And the, the one thing I don't want to see is them get in some kind of a rhythm because then all of a sudden they figure out they can play because this is a team that's not playing together. And, and on that subject, that's what scared me about the Niners. And I'm glad we're not facing them right now. It's November 11th, the first time you play the, the 49ers. The way they're playing together right now, uh, that first touchdown run was just a thing of beauty because, you know, everybody really was well bodied up. You know what it was, Paul? It was an old bend play. I was to say a veer type of play, bend play. Yeah, yeah. It, and it was like they had 21 personnel in there, which is two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. You hardly ever see that anymore. So really old school football, but everybody, it was just so well executed. 
the tight end went out to, he was going to maybe wash down the linebacker, but he saw the guy was gone, so he turns out and blocks the corner. I mean, they, the way they're playing right now is the opposite of the way Cleveland's playing because Cleveland has as much talent as San Francisco. It's just that they're not playing together right now, and I just worry that, hey, at some point I think it's going to click. You can't have this much talent. Guys like Miles Garrett and Sheldon Richardson. I mentioned their linebacker, Joe Schobert. I, I, somebody, the, the coach for uh, Cleveland was talking about Denzel Ward, who was their uh, number one draft pick in 2018, second number one draft pick. And uh, he's in his second year, said he's like a Charles Woodson-type player. So just a ton of talent on this Cleveland. Yeah, the one thing I see from Cleveland's offensive line is they're soft. I mean, their right guard he can't handle a bull rush. They get in people's way, but they don't move anybody. It's kind. Of, it's like somebody pushing against a wall. Their feet are really moving really fast. The wall's not moving. And I watch <laughs> right. their offensive line a lot where I go, wow, their feet are moving, but they're not moving anybody. And I hope, again, we'll see what happens when we line up on, on Sunday. I expect us to win and to play well. Um, but if we don't get off to a good start, you know, anything can happen. All right, it's Hawks Live. Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer. Coming up next, we're going to go inside the film room and uh, get Coach Paul Moyer's take on what we see. That's right around the corner on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino, and we will be every Thursday night during the football season at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Paul, it's time to it's time for your favorite segment <laughs> to go inside the film room because you like coaching. You're, well, yeah. you're a coach at heart. I do. I you went back and watched us. the entire game. You watched a multiple, guard. Multiple times. Jamarco Jones, you, you, just, you love watching that stuff. Jamarco Jones did really well, didn't he? How about that Dave, game that it's, he had? It's, it's truly incredible. Um, I, I hope it, it continues, he, he, what he brought to the table. And I think they knew what they had because he played last year before he got hurt and played well you know, in preseason yeah. where there was some high hope. But as a tackle, I didn't know he could play guard. And what he moved inside and what he does from an athletic ability and his balance and recovery – pretty remarkable and actually when you show this play i'm gonna be talking about him yeah a kid out of uh, ohio state drafted yeah. in the fifth round a couple of years ago but uh, uh amazing play by russell wilson and uh we're, we're gonna go through the first one it's a 13 yard touchdown it says here but russell threw it like 35 yards because he was scrambling around one of the more amazing throws that i've seen from russell i don't know how many uh, quarterbacks in the league can throw this one but Russell puts it where only Tyler Lockett can catch it for a touchdown. Luke Wilson in motion on the left side. Russell, play fake, steps back, has time, still surveying the field. Now he rolls left. Now he scrambles. Now he's going to throw to the back of the end zone. Reaching up, making the catch. Did he get his feet? And he did. Touchdown, Seahawks. The littlest guy on the field climbed the ladder, kept his toenails in, and Tyler Lockett Put six on the board for the Seahawks from 13 yards out. It's pretty amazing what uh, what Tyler Lockett's able to do. If you meet Tyler Lockett in person, it's it's impressive. I always have a, a place in my heart for the, the smaller guys. 
Just because. Why, I say, why is that? I, I don't because they're such underdogs, man. They're playing in a game. It's a land of giants. So you have these guys like DK Metcalf that are. DK Metcalf looks like a defensive end. He's a receiver, yeah. and and Tyler's not blessed with all of that. But what he's blessed with is just an unbelievable determination. Same thing with like Doug Baldwin, and for for Tyler, and he's such a humble guy. You know, he's coming out with a book of uh, poems. He's a Tyler. poet. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and so, I mean, he's a, he's a thoughtful guy, very interesting guy, but I, this is what I love about the game, Paul. You have guys that are the size of Dwayne Brown, and you have guys that are the size of Tyler Lockett, and they play the same game. Yeah. I know, different assignments, but that's what makes it cool, and I, I just I love that, but, uh, you know, I don't know what's better, and this is the question uh, that was coming out of the locker room after the game. What was better, the throw or the catch? Uh, the throw. And it just the degree of difficulty. You know, if he was a, a springboard diver or whatever, you know, they, it would have been a, a, a 9.9 difficulty. And, and because if you watch this play, he's running with his shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage. And he's running pretty much full speed. And for him to do what he did with the football, he, he had to spin the ball to get the nose to drop down over the defensive back. Uh-huh. So let me, let me p- point out a couple things on this play. One, Jamarco Jones. He's up against Aaron Donald on this play. And the amount of time that Russell had, he, he had all day to throw this football. The hustle on Britt to circle back and help on Aaron Donald at the end. And then Tyler Lockett to never quit. I mean, he runs, he, he starts from our right in the slot. He runs all the way to the far side to our left, the, the Rams' right side on the defense. He starts to circle back and cut back kind of to the post, sees what Russell's doing, and then positions himself like a rebounder. He screens the defensive back, so he gives him just enough room on the sideline. Now, it's a phenomenal catch. I'd put the catch in a 9 out of 10, maybe even a 10 out of 10, but the throw was a 15. It's, it's, you said how many guys can make that throw in the league? Maybe one, Russell, maybe Patrick Mahomes, because he can run sideways too. There's no other quarterback in the league could do what he just did. And this will go down as one of the historic plays in Seahawk history. And you got a chance to watch it. you got a chance to hear it. There's so many great things that went on that play. I could spend an hour talking about yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's amazing. You're right about uh, Jamarco Jones, and I know how impressed you were with him. I know they graded him out on all the websites where they're grading offensive linemen. The thing that, uh, that really stood out to me is how he comes right down the middle yeah. of defenders. There's something about his he chests balance. Up. He chests up. He, he does, like a lot of guys, they get nervous, Dave, because they don't want to get beat. You know, uh, They don't want somebody to get around them, so they, they create space. Uh, the, uh, the offensive lineman well, allows a defensive lineman to, to pull them down because they don't have perfect balance. They don't have all their balance from the head all the way down to the, to the, to the ground. He, he has no problem chesting up and staying in front of a uh, defensive lineman. That is rare. And his recovery ability. He didn't play great on the last drive. That was the only drive where I go, huh. You know, but every other drive, he was phenomenal. And in this play alone, he was, uh, he was spectacular. All right, next, Russell finds DK Metcalf. And this time his feet were set when he threw it. It was, uh, it was a two-man route. And he finds the rookie DK Metcalf for a 40-yard touchdown. Russell play fake, drops back, going to throw it deep. Got a man. It's Metcalf. He's out there. Touchdown, Seahawks, from 40 yards out. 
DK Metcalf just ran right by the Rams secondary. Russell hit his back foot and threw a rainbow to the end zone. Uh, DK, you know, for a rookie, I think it's tough for receivers to come in and and play right right away. As rookies, uh, it's even if you're a first round draft choice and. DK was a second-round draft choice, and I mentioned him earlier. He's a big dude, like 6'4", you know, 220 pounds. It's all muscle. He's one of those guys that actually has to put fat on, you know, like he cramps up too much because he's got too much muscle. Never had that problem, Paul. No. Yeah. If, and and if, I'm he, glad if he's because... 220, Dave, I'm 180 pounds, <laughs> and I'm not 180. You know, th- what was great about this, and I, I love what the Seahawks did in, on this play, and the Rams do a lot of that. You know, they, they, they were running the ball hard it, it, just to set this play up ahead of time. They ran it really well. And so here came the play action. And the Rams do this. They keep eight guys in the block. Now, on this one, it's a hard play action to our right. And the safety, their, their, their left safety, right as we look at it, he bit hard on the play. Yeah. We had two I believe good- that was Eric Weddle. It was. Who's supposed to be uh, super Actually, it wasn't smart. well. So Weddle, was it Johnny Johnson? Yeah, it, Weddle was on the right side. He was already kind of playing up uh, about seven, eight yards deep. He got fooled too, but it was the, the free safety that bit down. And then I think it's Tyler Lockett who was on the right side yeah. for us. He flashed, so he had to take him because if he doesn't take him, that's a touchdown down the sideline too. You pick your poison on that. And just how easy DK Metcalf makes it look. And I, I could talk forever on this. It was great protection. Russell Wilson feels it. Perfect timing on it. We're playing at a really high level on big plays right now. And this starts with great running game, set up the play action, fantastic protection, great route, and, you know, just a fun, fantastic throw by, by Russell. I'm throwing all these adjectives out there, but they're, they're, they deserve to be yeah, uh, out there. It's, it's amazing what Russell and Tyler Lockett and the connection there. Uh, finally, a defensive play, and Tedrick Thompson coming up with uh, kind of a weird moment in the stadium, but he just stretches his body out all the way and makes an, a spectacular interception. From the shotgun, takes the snap. Goff has time, throws inside, almost picked off again. Off the fingertips of Everett, the tight end. Diving for the ground, driving for the ball on the ground, that is, was Tedrick Thompson. And again, back-to-back plays where the Seahawks secondary almost ended this game with a pick. Wait a minute. Everybody on the sidelines, Pete Carroll says, hey, he threw the flag down. He said, our guy got his hand under that. After reviewing the play, the defender had his hands underneath the ball and maintained Twenty twenty-five years ago, that's not an interception. It's an incomplete pass. And <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure that Tedrick Thompson entirely was confident that he had gotten his hand under there. But it was—I mentioned it was kind of a weird moment because they were celebrating like they knew. And then mm. once you saw the replay in slow mo, thank you, super slow mo. Uh, you know that's what made that whole thing happen. But he was just stretched out as far as you can be, and and makes a play. You know, and Tedrick Thompson, I was really happy for him because yeah. he's had some criticism and things. He's a good safety, and he's had a couple of plays this year that haven't been great. But for him to make that, that was uh, 
Well, I would say it's game-changing, definitely, but they still had some work to do after this. Yeah, I didn't love the celebration because I'm looking. There's two minutes and eight seconds left. Yeah. They had two timeouts. Uh, I go, uh, we still got to get a first down to win this game. And they couldn't. And and we didn't. And, you know, which you know that we talk about that one later. For Tedrick, I just want to see him keep getting confidence because he was a playmaker in college. Big time playmaker. That was a big time play. I was a, yeah. one of those. You just go, okay, and it's a good thing because. We were playing man up there. That was a single free, I think, at that time. Great play. It, you put that one on there because it was such a great interception. But that was one of four, Dave, that we should have had. We had three of them in our hands that we could have intercepted that game. They're going to start coming, and they come in bunches. Yeah, and I hope the sacks start to come, too, and the defense starts making big plays. Well, coming up next, Paul, we'll talk about the NFC West and uh, have we rekindled an old uh, rivalry with the, the San Francisco 49ers? It's not Harbaugh and Kaepernick, but uh, it's Kyle Shanahan and, and possibly Jimmy Garoppolo. And the Rams still a huge uh, test for the Seahawks in the NFC West. We'll talk about that next. It's Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman on Hawks Live. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Hawks Live. We're at the Snoqualmie Casino. We'll be here every Thursday night during the football season at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN. Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer. Paul, I thought it was just the Rams that was going to be the problem for the Seahawks over the next few years. The San Francisco 49ers were kind of rekindling an old rivalry with them, and this goes back to Jim Harbaugh, Colin Kaepernick, Frank Gore, it was it was like perfectly set up. Pete Carroll versus Jim Harbaugh. That was really a fun one. You know, Colin Kaepernick and and they they had similar teams. Like they were the same type of running team and play defense. Had a running quarterback and Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson was kind of that guy. The whole thing was like tailor made. And there was you know a history with Pete Carroll and and Jim Harbaugh and. Now the thing with, with the, the Rams, it's not, I mean, it's become a rivalry because there's always give and take in rivalry because you have to lose <laughs> sometimes, you know, in order to make that, yes. that happen. But, you know, they've dominated the 49ers over the last few years other than the, the trip down there last year. But uh, it looks like the, the 49ers look really good. And unfortunately, two of the best teams in the NFL are in the NFC West. Yeah, maybe th- yeah, I mean, three. three yeah, really. yeah. yeah you throw the Rams, the 49ers. Seahawks, of we'll see it on the 49ers. They, they, were, they were one of the fastest demises I've seen. I mean, that team was loaded with talent. When, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, it started to slip, and then they fell off the cliff after that. And when you lose that many years, you're getting a lot of high draft picks, and they have. I mean, they got five number one picks or five first-round picks on that defensive line. They're loaded. I mean, you got D. Ford, who they picked up, I think, from Kansas City. You got yep. Bosa. You got uh, DeForest Buckner. You got uh, Eric Armstead. I mean, they've got a lot of guys on that defensive line. Their offensive line is good, but they've also played. I mean, their best team they played so far is Cleveland and Tampa Bay. The two and three records. You've got an zero and four team they played. An zero and five. A one and four. So we'll see. But they are the number two ranked, I think, defense in the NFL right now. They're number four offensively. They're playing good football. And I looked at their scheme. Their scheme 
is going to be a challenge. We're going to have to play really well. But you know what? It's five weeks from now, yeah. and or four weeks, however long. We, we haven't even played them yet. We'll see if it's a rivalry. The reason why I think it will be a rivalry is Richard Sherman wants it to be a rivalry. Yeah. you got Bosa, who's a guy who's not afraid to talk. they they got some guys that will create some noise. Um, it will be a physical, fun game, and I'm glad. I'm glad it's back. I, I think the Rams are going to take a dip. This is a big game. You, you, you talked about it earlier. The Rams and the 49ers, uh-huh. if, they, if they beat the Rams and then they got the Redskins next, yeah. you're, you're looking at a 6-0 and start. Now, they do have eight games the rest of their the, the way where they've got to play us twice. They've got to play the Rams twice. They've got to play the Saints. They're at the Ravens. They've got the Packers and the Panthers. Yeah. So they've got a gauntlet coming up. But I don't want them starting out six and zero, oh, so I'm actually going to be rooting for the Rams on this one. Well, I, I was, me too, because I, I was thankful that the the Seahawks aren't playing them early on because I think San Francisco's they're in a groove right now, and teams, you know, they'll trip up at some point and then you know go through a period of time. But right now, they're just playing really good football. It just yeah. seems like they're really well coached. What do you think's a a common number for number of coaches on a coaching staff in the NFL? Now they have probably 17, Yeah, they, 20. Have, they have 26. 26 that's, coaches. That's obscene. That seems a lot. I, I would, that means that's almost two for every yeah, you know, group exactly. of people. But, but I, I get there's so much well to do. They're, they're very well coached. Yeah. I mean, their running game, you, you know, you think, you know, Shanahan coming in, oh, they're going to be a team that throws it all over the place. They're, they're built like the Seahawks. We want to run it. We want to play action it. We want to have explosive plays. We're going to play fantastic defense. After four games, that's what they're doing. They've only played four, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, and then uh, you look at uh, look at the Rams, and a lot of what they do is based on Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. And Gurley, there's some question about his knee, and he hasn't been quite as effective as he has in, in, been in years past. I've never seen a quarterback that can be so good and so bad based wow. on pressure I'm as Goff. Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah it, it is. You know, if they if anybody got even close to him, all of a sudden the ball starts to sail. He throws him in the dirt. I mean, he's a great deep ball thrower, but I, I feel like they're hanging their hat on him running that offense. I think if you were able to unscrew Sean McVay's head and screw it on Jared Goff's body. They might have a chance, but well, that's what they try to do. That's with what him they're talking. trying to do with him talking in his yeah in his ear. And a lot of times, like you've seen times where the communication is cut out, and then all of a sudden he doesn't know what to do. And look, he's a good quarterback. Like I said, I think he's a maybe the best deep ball thrower in the league, right up there with Russell Wilson. But um, he he's a guy that I think can get rattled very easily uh, mentally. Makes mistakes at the wrong time. There's a lot of smart coaches in the NFL. So when someone says there's a guru like McVay that uh, their offense is unstoppable, I'm like, I've never seen an offense where I went, I don't know how to stop that. Now, they may have better players at times. And we've seen a full year and a half, and teams have absolutely adjusted to them. Uh, 49ers are going to be the same thing. We've seen them now, and you're going to see more tape, and you're going you're to have a game plan. The Rams, they're going to have to get tougher. That just they just got to get toughness again. They still have a lot of skilled players. They're dangerous. Um, so I'm, I'm torn on, let's just put the Rams out of our misery and lose this week. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the three losses. And they could have lost four in a row. They could have lost to Cleveland. You know, they won 20-13 to 13 in that game. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't want to give 
the 49ers too much confidence because they do have a lot of talent. Well, and the thing that bothers me about the 49ers, I like some of the old school plays they're running. It's really basic stuff, but it's just really well executed. Very well coached team. Yeah, and and you're right about that. I mean, you, you can come up with all these different schemes, but, you know, in the end, every play should work. Every defense should stop every offense, and it's about how how you execute. Well, coming up next, we'll give our final thoughts, maybe make a prediction or two, talk about this upcoming trip to Cleveland. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Paul, some thoughts here. Paul Moyer and Dave Wyman, by the way, we both played in Cleveland. I'll tell my quick story. I was in Denver. I was there in 1988 when we yep, played in Cleveland. Good, good day. Yep, and uh, we, we beat them we on the road. But when I was in Denver, uh, I went down in the pregame, and somebody in the dog pound, they take a lot of pride in their dog pound where they have a bunch of rabid fans. They had made this huge poster with John Elway's likeness, and it said, Elway, your dog meat. And they spelled it Y-O-U-R instead of Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. And so I went down there, and I'm like, look at that. They, they didn't even spell it. And so I go down there, and I, I scream at the guy, hey, stupid, you spelled it wrong. And, and the guy looks at it, and then all of a sudden he looks back at me and starts flipping me off and everything, and then started throwing stuff at me. And so I looked over there the rest of the game, and the guy was shamed. He took the sign down, and it looked like he'd spent like three hours making this sign. All I needed was a Sharpie to fix that it. That was like, you know what? A Sharpie? Sharpie. A dog? Oh, those two, they're so <laughs> cute, aren't they, when they're little babies? No, a little, a little no, Sharpie. You know, you know, that was like one of the best plays I ever made in the NFL. I really enjoyed ruining the, uh, the guy in the dog. Because they're obnoxious down there. And they, nobody, they nobody knows great that. Great fans. Nobody great knows fans. that better than, than you. I, well, I do. It was 1988, and um, that was the year we won the NFC West, and we went down there without Dave Craig, who had, you know, broke his arm or something, and we were playing with Kelly Stoffer at the time. Yep. And uh, there's two things that happened on it. We blocked the field goal, and, and I grabbed it and was running down the sideline, and Vernon Dean didn't make a block on Mike Pagel, their quarterback at the time. And Mike tackles me, like, on the five-yard line. I separate his shoulder which was actually a blessing in disguise because the guy they brought in afterwards couldn't throw. We win the game. But the part that was most memorable, uh, we're down in the, their, their end zone, and I intercept a pass. And Eugene Robinson's behind me and hits one of their wide receivers after I intercept it. They call pass interference on, on Eugene Robinson. And I'm arguing with the ref. I go, I cut in front of the pass and intercepted it. It cannot be pass interference. So the refs are talking about it. And I'm down by the end zone, and, you know, the fans are just ripping me, you know, cursing me out. And I turn around, I give them an Italian salute. I give them the one-arm salute. Today I would have been suspended and fined. And I'm not also, sure if that's offensive to people anymore. Yeah, but it would have been on TV, salute? and trust me, the NFL yeah. would have fined you. And all of a sudden, I get pelted with dog biscuits. I mean, the whole end zone, there's just these dog biscuits come flying out. And I thought that was actually kind of cool. I started to laugh at that point. And that state, <laughs> were they remember, hitting off your helmet? They were just, you know, it was just... just like a rain of dog biscuits. And I should have picked one up and ate one. But it was the, remember the stadium, the locker room? Yeah. God, it was the worst stadium. It was awful. And, and now it's 
really nice, and they've done some good things downtown there. It's it's become a you know at least a vibrant city again. So. Great fans, going to be yeah. a tough game. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, when I go there, I'm going to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Are you? It's in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, uh, but yeah, I remember Tom Catlin played there. Uh, Tom Catlin, our old defensive coordinator, he's an I think he was an All American out of Oklahoma. Yeah. Played in the NFL for a number of years, and he played in Cleveland. And when we went there in 1988, I remember looking at two other things that happened. A lot of memories yes. in, in Cleveland. One was. Joe Namath was interviewing me on the field about the game, and it took me about five minutes before I went, that's Broadway Joe who's talking to me. Because he had big glasses on, and he was so small, and like he was older, and it was later in his life. And I'm like, he was older back oh, then, my huh? God, I'm talking 30. to Joe Namath. Yeah, it's, the other one was Tom Catlin looking around. He you did. Know, he admired it, and yeah. it was a little nostalgic. Kind of re- yeah, nostalgic, and... reflective, everything. But that was a horrible locker room. I remember it was like a series. Tiny. It was like a rat maze. Yeah. Yeah, and there was, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is a professional football stadium. You well, and it, was a, and it was a stadium that, you know, was so historic, and they, everybody talked about it and their right. fans and and it was a big game. I mean, it really was one of the biggest road game wins I can remember. I just remember where Chuck Knox and all of them just talked about, we win this game in Cleveland. It was, it was a huge deal at the time. And I just remember going to the stadium and get, then getting to the locker room going, okay, oh this gosh. is a dump. Yeah. It's a dump. No kidding. I remember, you know, Bruce Schultz, I remember at that time, was getting his toe shot up because he had turf toe. Oh, and I, there was like, uh, there was like, towels hanging over a certain area yeah <laughs> and you know i was like i don't know where i'm going so i went behind the the towel and there's the doctor jamming this needle into bruce's toe and he was biting on a towel and there's blood going everywhere i'm like oh i took the wrong turn here let me go somewhere else i mean it was just an awful locker room it, it's just amazing well i mean you and i marvel all the time about the you you i think earlier this year said that bobby wagner is going to make my entire career earnings in the first two or three games oh bobby will make my entire career earnings he already did after the first game (laughs) are you kidding me but i mean it's just it's amazing what this game has become and how sophisticated it is now how much money they put into it and i don't know i i wouldn't trade it for the world i mean those were those were good times and you know that Back in the day, and I remember even looking at Tom Catlin, he's looking back like into the 60s, you know, of when, you know, men used to wear ties and hats to the football games. Yeah, coaches would women be on the sideline. Women would well. get dressed up to go, and guys would get dressed up to go to the games. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be cool to go back there. I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of those. Well, remember in the 80s, you're talking about the story when, when we were there. You know, the uh, the AFC Championship had gone through Cleveland, yeah. and then the next year they went to uh, to Denver and lost. Uh, Denver broke their heart, those fumbles. Yeah. And they had Bernie Co- Kosar. I remember Bernie Kosar. Heart, I, I, le- I like to pride myself back in the day. I could read a quarterback and get a great jump. I mean, that was kind of my strength. Uh-huh. I could not read Bernie Kosar because the way he threw, he didn't lead with his left shoulder. He actually opened up his left shoulder, and yeah. then he threw – he had a Kinda, weird throwing threw motion. A little bit sideways. So when the ball was released, his chest was square to the line of scrimmage. Mm. Well, what are you reading? Yeah. Uh, I, I, where he's going. And, and I, I remember we, we played them in Seattle one game. Uh, I don't remember when, maybe 86, 87, whenever the time was. And there was two receivers there, and I broke, which I was confident I was getting an interception. He hits the other guy, and the guy goes in for a touchdown. And I remember watching film, and Ralph Hawkins, our defensive back coach, goes, what were you thinking? What are you looking at? And I go, well, you tell me. 
I go, I think I, I, bro- I think I broke right. I go, that's impossible to read the guy. And I think I was part of Bernie Kosar's strength. And yeah, they had some good teams. I mean, they should have went to the Super Bowl a couple times uh, in the in the eighties. Well, and they got a, they got a lot of talent now. What do you think? How you feel good about this game? I feel good because I think we're playing at such a high level offensively with Russell Wilson, and I think we're playing at such a high level on we know what it takes to win a football game. I don't think we're going to blow them out. We could. If we get hot and, and Russell hits on some big plays, and I think we're confident right now we can have explosive plays. I think defensively we'll keep things in front of us, and, and we, we just got to continue to do that. But it's going to be a close game. I'm, 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 he said, what's, what's the final score? I think we win by four. Uh, you know, again, comes down the last four or five minutes of the game. I agree. I think it's going to be one of those games. I mean, I I said all week. I feel like this team's identity is that they're scrappy. Yeah. They can come back from adversity, and there's a lot of young guys like Ugo Amadi. And what do they say about the young kids? Like nobody told him he couldn't make that play. You know, but like they don't know any better, mm-hmm. but they know that in big high-pressure situations, they're going to make plays. And I think a lot of that reflects Russell Wilson's personality. He's the leader. Of this it's, a, it's a fun team, and it's a team that I think the 12s and even us, you, you just root for them. You know, we're fans, but then they, when it gets personal and there's just so many good guys on this team, um, there's just a team we, we, we pull harder for than, than others in the past. Well, thanks for, for listening tonight. Had a blast. Uh, I want to thank Ugo Amadi for joining us. Of course, John Clayton, Nasa Chobi, our executive director of the show, Brennan Hutchinson, and our board op, Brian Shoning, and, of course, everybody that showed up tonight. Really appreciate it. Well, we'll be back here next Thursday, hopefully talking about a win in Cleveland. For Paul Moyer, I'm Dave Wyman. Thanks for listening. It's Hawks Live.